This is the Get Healthy 360 podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson, board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary healthcare provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Today we have with us Ben Solheim. He is a physical therapist. So as an interventional pain physician, my goal is to get my patients better with as few interventions and as few medications as possible. Physical therapy plays a huge role in that. It's a very safe treatment if it's done properly by a qualified physical therapist. As a side note, if there's a condition called thoracic outlet obstruction syndrome, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's where you have compression of the nerves coming from your neck into your hand, it gets compressed by bundles of muscles in your neck. And one of the common or one of the treatments that you can have for it is you can go to a thoracic surgeon and he can or she can resect your first rib, meaning you go under general anesthesia, they cut away part of that rib to create space for those nerves to come out. However, I've had now seven of those patients who I've sent to physical therapy with Ben Solheim and 100% resolution. It saved them a lot of pain, a lot of recovery time. They were able to continue working and no surgery, fantastic outcome. So I've worked with Ben extensively. And if someone comes in with pain, it hasn't been there for a long time, or even if it has, I would say physical therapy is definitely one of the first line treatments if someone has pain issues. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate uh, those kind words there. And I kind of reflect that back on Chris. I've been working with him for quite a few years now. And I would definitely say the same with him and being able to manage and really treat persistent pain problems, acute ones as well. Get some really cool stuff that he does. And and the interplay between us as professionals is is really great. So I'm just very proud to be a part of our, our profession and be able to work with such high talent like Chris. So thanks for having me on. First, what we're going to talk about is what is physical therapy, how it's different from other types of more conservative treatment, like how is physical therapy different than personal trainers? How is it different from chiropractors, et cetera? Then we'll get into the different types of physical therapy and then the neat things that a qualified physical therapist can do and how you can assess if the physical therapist you're seeing is appropriate. Now, a misconception I think very widely held in healthcare is that the person you're seeing is the person you're seeing, but if you are putting in your a driveway or you're having a wall drywalled or painted, you're probably not going to go with the first person that you see. You're probably going to get a few opinions and I encourage anyone I am treating to get a second opinion because I will stand behind anything I tell them. If you are seeing a healthcare provider and they do not want you to get a second opinion, I would be cautious of that. So Ben, what is the difference between physical therapy or physical therapists, personal trainers, and chiropractors? Physical therapy is a unique field in that we are able to touch a lot of different areas across the healthcare spectrum, which is really neat, but we do have a unique place in the area of understanding movement and pain as well. Physical therapists go to school as far as just kind of their education is. We go to school for an undergraduate degree, four years, and then once we're done with that, we go to a three-year graduate program where we're learning our specialty there, and we end up getting a doctorate in physical therapy. And during those three years, we are learning all about how to assess and treat and modify movement to reduce pain, improve 
a function. That means you being able to walk better and being able to transfer in and out of your home or your or your car better and to improve the general quality of life for people. And we're able to do that in a couple different couple different areas and specialties. Personal trainers, as an example, are a specialty of folks that will certainly go through a certification program and some training, and, but don't necessarily require a lot of educational background prior to their certification. And they work primarily with well-functioning folks who are looking to improve their general fitness and their general health. They're able to help with some movement disorders, but when it comes to something a little bit more significant or even something that's maybe less significant, it's appropriate for them to refer to a physical therapist because we are able to pick out the exact movements that are at fault and really address those and work with the personal trainer in that area so that we have a a good plan for the patient. There's a large variation in personal trainers. From my understanding, personal trainers who've spent years getting very good at what they do, there are also some personal trainers that have taken a very short two or three week course, and then they can say they're a personal trainer. Correct. That is absolutely right. And I guess that's one difference with personal trainers versus PTs that we all have this standard examination that we have to go through. And there's a little bit less variety, we'll say, at least less wild variety in the PT world versus personal trainer. And you really need to have, you need to have a knack for understanding people and movement to be a good personal trainer. And the same thing is holding true for a physical therapist. You need to know that. But the degree of understanding and degree of intervention we're able to do, put our hands on patients is probably the biggest distinguishing factor. And how would you differentiate physical therapy then from a chiropractor? So a chiropractor is primarily concerned with, or at least traditionally concerned with spine and spinal alignment. There's a kind of central dogma or kind of central idea behind chiropractic that there's this subluxation, which is the idea that there's a shift or some kind of misalignment of a spinal segment and that's putting pressure on nerves and that is the root of all disease. And so that kind of central dogma is not something that we as physical therapists ascribe to, but is generally thought of chiropractic. Now there's more recent kind of advances in the profession that have kind of shied somewhat away from that, but it still remains to be the the most commonly held belief of, of chiropractors. And so that means that the most common intervention for that is a chiropractic adjustment, which is supposed to to alleviate the subluxation and and then alleviate the disease or whatever it is that, that they're treating uh, coming from that subluxation. Physical therapist is able to apply spinal manipulation, which spinal manipulation and chiropractic adjustment have the same mechanisms behind why they work because they really are very, very similar as far as an intervention. It's the, it's the reason why you apply them and when you apply them, that's the biggest difference. So we don't apply them to everybody and it's a lot more follow-up exercise and kind of understanding understanding the the patient as a whole as far as how they move and what's going on in their life and may not necessarily always be done with chiropractic. Do you want to discuss, there was a recent publication about how chiropractic care can treat pain? Yeah. So it's interesting you would mention that. So physical therapists have been doing spinal manipulation for quite some time, 40, 50 years at least. And we actually write more than 80% of the research on manual therapy and, and manipulation. One of them was written by Joel Bielowski and a couple of his colleagues, 2009, kind of really overarching kind of principles of why this whole manual therapy stuff works. And really interesting that it's not just one or maybe even two things. There's about seven or eight at least that are all interacting together. And most of them, the vast majority of them, are acting at the spinal cord and brain and the central nervous system. That's what we call the the central nervous system, the brain brain and spinal cord, and releasing chemicals and uh, endorphin releases and things like that. And it has really nothing, almost nothing to do with the mechanical effect of 
manipulating a spine, which is fascinating to a lot of people because... What's actually causing the positive effects then? Simplify that for me. There's this really cool chemical uh, group called endorphins that kind of course through our brain and spinal cord when we are trying to reduce pain. And so when we have our spine manipulated or a joint manipulated, there is a big rush of endorphins that gets just, we bathe our spine and spinal cord with it. It is a really big pain reliever or pain reducer. The problem is that that only typically lasts about 48 hours. So if you're not addressing the movement that created the dysfunction in the first place, usually pain returns, dysfunction returns. You kind of need to go back every couple of days, you know, is how that ends up working. So from a practical standpoint, let's pretend that we have patient Bob and he has, let's say, low back pain because it's a chronic problem. He was at work, he lifted something, hurt his back and fairly active guy, fairly healthy, but he's just got this new onset low back pain. Mm -hmm. So how would that look if he say went to a chiropractor versus he went to see a physical therapist on average? On average, yeah. I mean, obviously I can't speak to all of either one of our professions, but on average, uh, you've got a generally healthy person who is moving quite a bit through work. You know, they had this episode where they lifted and they hurt their back and they couldn't move as well and they wanted to go see either one of those two professions. So they go to the chiropractor, they're going to get evaluated, they're going to have a medical history done, they're going to have some kind of movement assessment done. Hopefully they're having a neurological exam done at least to assess the health of the nerves, make sure they're intact and everything's good and they're appropriate to be in that office. That should be a part of any one of our professions. And they will likely receive final chiropractic adjustment if they're in the chiropractor's office. And they may be given some instruction to either keep moving or they might give one exercise or, or two exercise kind of thing to, to do and then be instructed to come back multiple times within the same week. And depending on where they go, that is where the uh, some of the big variety comes in as far as how frequently they're being seen. Some will say, we'll see you in a couple of days if you need if you need us great. If you don't cancel it, we'll have our happy life. Others are sell you this package of 70 visits for how many thousand dollars and you can use those up whenever you want them to treat your what's likely going to be a chronic problem in their eyes. So in a physical therapist office, some similar things are going to happen. We're going to do medical history. We're going to ask about what's going on. We're going to ask very specific questions about how the pain is behaving. And we're going to do movement assessment. We're going to do our special tests the same way. We may do different special tests, but we for sure are going to be examining the nerves to make sure they are are healthy and that, again, you're appropriate to be in the office using cardiovascular screen. And then the research would support if they have certain criteria that are met that they might get spinal manipulation. So physical therapists can do spinal manipulation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And many of us do. Yeah, that's that's true. You, You bring up a good point, Chris. Yeah, that's not very commonly known. Not every physical therapist manipulate, but the vast majority of us do. And so I think the difference is that we just don't do it to everybody. So it's not as commonly held that we that we do perform that technique. And some people will go to great lengths to learn those techniques even better. I've chosen to do that and uh, continue to try and you know improve my craft when it comes to hands-on manual therapy. So physical so therapy, you're going to get some follow-up, you're going to get some activity modification, you're going to be encouraged to be remain active because that's the best thing we can do for acute low back pain is actually to remain as active as what your body allows you to and not be on bed rest. One of the worst things you can do for yourself in, in an acute low back pain situation. And we're going to make sure that we're getting at the reason why you had your back go 
out, quote unquote, in the first place and try and dig after that so that we don't have a recurrence of symptoms and that we don't have to continue to utilize the health system to remain having a healthy spine. And like all things, there are different levels or quality of physical therapy. So can you go through some of the training that you've had to be a physical therapist and some of the certifications you have? That way, people are aware of what they're seeing if they're evaluating their own physical therapist just as a comparison. So all physical therapists have passed a national board exam if they're pass if they're practicing. So when you're looking around for, for a physical therapist, you're going to oftentimes see a bunch of letters behind the name that just become alphabet soup after a while. There are ones that you're going to want to pay attention to and that may stick out a little bit more. You're going to always see the PT or, or something of that nature. It might designate their level of education. DPT is doctor of physical therapy. There's some masters of physical therapy stuff out there. So what you want to look for, or one thing you might want to look for if you can, is someone has OCS if you're being seen for orthopedic conditions. What that is, is orthopedic certified specialist. And what happens is when we go through our PT school, we graduate and then we can kind of go in any area that we want because we've been trained in so many areas. We're able to, to treat people, which is great. And you can just go through your continuing education courses and just leave it at that. Some people choose to specialize in a certain area and orthopedics is certainly one of them. It's the most common thing that we do. I did that in 2011 when I went through that program. And that involves residency and mentorship where you've got somebody over your corner constantly questioning what the heck are you doing and why? <laughs> and where's the research to support it? And you're doing some video of your own cases and kind of doing some self-reflection on that. So when you say you're an orthopedic specialist, what exactly does that mean? It means that I've been certified through the board of examiners that I know what the heck I'm doing when it comes to orthopedic. And uh, I've gone through a lot more. Well, like, what does that mean to me? What skill set do you have? So what it means is that your evaluation skills are going to be a little bit more proficient. You may pick up on things earlier. So that means you may have less visits. That means that your outcome may be higher, meaning that you might get more functional change from seeing that physical therapist that has the OCS, that your pain reduction might be coming a little bit faster. They might have a few more techniques underneath their belt than others. And they're certainly following the research that would support the best standard of care that you may not necessarily have if you're seeing, who does, seeing somebody who doesn't have that designation. So that OCS is a good certification to look for. It is a good certification to look for. The problem is that only 5% of PTs nationwide have that OCS certification. So it would be a little bit difficult to find or guaranteed to find one in just any location. There is a find a PT function on the uh, Board of Orthopedic Specialists. And I'm sure we can do something to get a link out for, for that. But We'll include all the contact information. I will say that people will travel very far to see me. A lot of people will travel very far to see a very specific physician in the specialty they need. And I think it's worth saying that if you want to get better and you want the highest quality care, I this is why we're doing this podcast, so you're aware of who's treating you. There is another certification that you do have. Do you want to talk about dry needling and Graston? Sure. So dry needling is a, a technique that has kind of become more popular in the last five to 10 years in our field. It's a technique where we're able to reset muscles that are kind of knotted and, and have what we call trigger points in them. And that's really, really tight. And they'll give you uh, painful conditions and refer pain in other places and start to cause all kinds of problems. So we take a really small filament and we just simply place it into the muscle. And there's a little twitch that happens because of the uh, electrical reset that goes on. And and that's pretty well it. I mean, there's a bunch of chemical stuff that goes on and a bunch of electrical things that go on. But really what it means to, to you, the patient, is you feel a lot better fairly fast and usually within session are able to make some really dramatic changes. And other than a little bit of soreness, like you'd worked out real hard the last the day before, really has some 
really great benefit. So let's safe. pretend I'm Bob. I hurt my back and I come in and I see you and I say, well, you're talking about this dry needling deal. Needling, I don't like needles. How much is this really going to hurt? So the way I describe it to most folks and the way that they kind of tell me about it is is that it feels like a dull ache, like almost like a toothache in your muscle. And then you get these occasional little flicks, almost like someone's flicking with their middle finger uh, onto the skin. And that's that little twitch reaction. And we're in that muscle for about five to 10 seconds total, you know, when we're treating it. So it's a fairly short period of time that you're going to get those little flicks of discomfort. As soon as the needle's out, uh, a lot of that discomfort goes away and you're able to move better. And the res- relief from what you're telling me comes really quickly. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, met, and, and we're trying to do that as much as possible as kind of test some movement beforehand. Let's say our friend Bob was unable to bend down past, you know, his knees or something like that, right? So I would expect that with dry needling, we're going to treat some of the muscles there. And immediately after getting up off the table, I would expect him to be able to bend down to touch his toe with far less pain, if not any. And what is what is Grassman technique? So that's a tool-assisted soft tissue technique. So we consider soft tissues like muscles and tendons and ligaments and fascia and nerves, blood supply, things, arteries, veins. Those are all soft tissues versus hard tissues being like the bones and cartilage and things like that. So there's a covering over all of our muscles called fascia. And sometimes that can start to bind down and, and have these little sticky spots on them. And it'll start to stick to other tissues and limit motion. So those sticky spots are actually quite firm and they're actually firmer than what our hands are. So it has a We have a tough time breaking down those adhesions with our hands because it's kind of like trying to cut a diamond with sandstone. You've got to use something that is firmer than that adhesion to break it down. And so that's why we have these kind of rounded off or kind of dulled tools, we'll say, or edges that we use to break down those adhesions. And we just simply glide that over the skin and the tissue and progressively it just kind of loosens up quite nicely. So let's, I'm going to pretend that I'm Bob and I come in, so my back hurts. I'm looking at your wall and you have, all right, you're a physical therapist. You have that orthopedic specialist certification, which not a lot of people have. So I'm happy I'm seeing you. The trigger points, if it's going to make my muscles feel better, that sounds reasonable, especially if it's not going to hurt for too long, but I'm hurting anyway, which is why I'm seeing you. And the Graston sounds like really fancy massaging with some sort of special tool. Yeah, it can sound that way, right? You know, to a large degree, that can be the can be the truth. You know, the tools that we use are just simply augmenting or just helping out what our hands do. So yes, it is a massage technique, but massage therapists don't oftentimes use tool-assisted techniques. That's something that's um, left to a physical therapist to do because you can really, you can get aggressive with it and you can do some, you can do some damage to the tissue if it's uh, used improperly. That's why we have training. So that's why I would say if you're going to be an NFL quarterback, you could break down that job as you go, you go on the, the field and you throw the ball to a player, making this really <laughs> straightforward. Even though there's a lot more, there's a lot of training to do what you're doing. I'm making it really straightforward. Yes. So we've covered the orthopedic specialist, the Graston technique, dry needling. But what is this applied functional science? I would say I'd be willing to bet a lot of people have never heard, even in the healthcare field, have never heard of applied functional science. So what is that? That's true. So um, applied functional sciences is really neat kind of melding of the biological sciences, the physical sciences, and the social sciences. So um, what we're trying to do is break down movement into its individual part and be as real about it with as far as life movements go as possible. And we're able to kind of 
piecemeal that apart, break it down into the individual parts, and then build it back up again and uh, make function turn around a lot more easily and readily than what traditional exercise might be. The basic way that I'd explain it like this, traditional exercise typically lands on a spectrum from on a bottom of the functional side of like if your back hurts and you're having difficulty, you know, bending down to pick up something from the floor, you laying on your backside and tightening your tummy and banging two pots together is really on the bottom end of functional, right? I mean, you can do something, but it's not very functional. On the top end of that spectrum is you doing a forward bending maneuver while you're in standing and reaching down towards the floor and doing kind of a lunge that way because that matches the activity you're trying to get to as much as possible. And Unfortunately, traditionally, we have stayed on that bottom end of the spectrum for far too long. and We don't push up towards that upper spectrum to get really, really close to the things that people are having difficulty with. So that's what applied functional science does. It tries to get you as close to the activity as we can and, and break it down and make it really work well. So what I'm taking from that is you're going to train me in a way or you're going to treat me in a way or facilitate me being able to pick up my groceries and bring them to the house. That's what the therapy will be designed to do versus me just doing bicep curl. Correct. Or just doing crunches or doing some planks, right? Because planks are great, but they may not give you as much help with being able to pick up your groceries as what some of these applied functional science principles may do. Now, there are a large number of people that would have seen a physical therapist and then they'll say, I see my physical therapist and I always hurt way worse after. What would your thoughts or comments be on that? I am sorry for our profession if that's the case. Yeah. So one of the things that we have seen over the last probably decade or more is that the way that we interact with patients and the way that we treat them is changing. And we're understanding how pain works a lot better. And sometimes we can misunderstand how irritable a condition is or how kind of easy it is to irritate tissue. And we'll over-exercise people, unfortunately. And so they'll hurt a lot afterward. And there's a difference between no pain, no gain and kind of an appropriate amount of exercise. So sometimes that happens. If that is the case, you need to be talking to your provider, whoever it is that they're seeing, and definitely be telling them that this is not okay. And if they're continuing to do the same thing over and over again, look for somebody else because it's clearly not getting, the message is not getting through to them. So with all things, there is a spectrum. Now let's pretend again that I'm Bob and I am looking for a different physical therapist and I'm going to try out a few different physical therapy offices. So if you could describe some of the elements of what not good or not optimal physical therapy would look like? Sure. So I would say using a lot of what we call modalities. Those are some of the kind of, I say, catchy little things that we used to use in the 70s of like ultrasound and electric stim. These are uh, tools to try and heat up the tissue or send some electrical signal to trick the brain into having less processing of pain. But they're really passive and it doesn't necessarily get to the root of the of the problem. If you're seeing the same exercises over and over and over again, or if you're seeing a repetition of the, the same thing uh, over and over again, if you're being put on a piece of cardiovascular equipment without education of why you're there or how hard to work or anything like that, and they're walking away, big red flag. You're with your patients the whole time or someone is Oh, absolutely. Them. Absolutely. Yes. In our office, there is primarily one-to-one care for the vast majority of of patients being seen across our clinic group. And that's where we see the best care coming from. So 
if my patient is on that cardiovascular piece of equipment, it's because they're getting educated about how, how the great benefits that we have from cardiovascular training for uh, managing pain, for retraining them. And we're telling them the very specifics about how hard to work, how long, and what they should be experiencing and expecting. And not just saying, let's go on the bike to warm up. And then they go off to treat two other people at the same time. And is there a place for ultrasound or electrical stim therapy? And if so, where is it? Yeah, I think there is a place for it. It's just a, a much smaller place than what it used to be. The ultrasound is good actually for treating uh, some of our uh, thigh contusions and kind of uh, muscle contusions. Contusion? It's like you take a really, yeah, it's just taking, it's a bruise. It's okay. taking a really hard hit, right? So um, you heat up tissue and get good blood flow to the area and get that healed. That's a great place for ultrasound. Because all you're doing is heating the tissue, tissue really deeply. E-STEM is great while you're doing other stuff. So I'll slap some pads onto um, on somebody and get some electric stim going through there while I'm doing my other manual therapy techniques, while they're doing exercise. So that it's not just them laying on their backside with some electrodes on their back and uh, a hot pack and laying there. And that's it. Way too passive. And in some physical therapy offices, they actually measure how well they're, the patients they're treating are progressing. Like they will see how they do, they do on the first visit and then they will track how they do for some sort of obvious benefit. They're not just doing things without knowing if it's working or not. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where our profession really needs to be is making sure we're tracking and progressing outcomes for our patients and how they're well, how they're functioning. It's one of the things that I was actually able to um, travel around the country to tra- uh, teach other clinicians how to use um, one of the programs that is nationally recognized um, as being a valid test of function called photo focused on therapeutic outcomes. And that's exactly what we do. We test people on the first visit, uh, see where they're functioning and they report it. And then uh, we do that progressively throughout the visits and see that that care that we're delivering is actually improving or increasing their their function and decreasing their pain. The neat part about photo is that you're actually able to give yourself a percentile rank or a percentage rank across the country and now internationally because they're including Canada, Mexico, and I want to say some European countries into that into that database. And you can see where you rank, which is great. And I just pulled our numbers, um, our entire group uh, for the last 12 months is in the top 15% of that group across the across the country. I think that's a B or is it an A? Yeah, it's a, yeah it is a B. Your your trouble is that we have we have a lot of therapists and to get everybody at that high level is actually quite a challenge to do because you're going to have some rock star therapists, you're going to have some pretty good therapists, and then you're going to have some okay therapists, right? So um, that's just the nature of any profession to get everybody in that top end. It's kind of tough. Well, as a group, top 15% is is acceptable. So, yeah. all right. So I am I'm Bob. I come in and I'm looking at your wall you're a qualified physical therapist, mm-hmm. you're certified orthopedic specialist certification, you have this applied functional science certification, you, you can do Graston and you can do the stride needling deal. So, but all I need to know is my back hurts. Let's just pretend it's all, I've always been healthy, no other medical issues. I just have this new back pain. It's just in my low back. It's not going anywhere. And it hurts if I <laughs> do something, make me better. <laughs> do something. Yeah, right. That's exactly well, how people come something. in. Yeah, right. That's Wait, exactly that how people come in. Fix me. Make me better. I want to go yeah. back to work or playing golf or playing basketball or whatever it is I'm doing, I want to do. I want to go back to work. Yep. And we can and we can certainly do that. So it's really just going through that examination and, really and making sure we're finding the... I would imagine that's how people come in. That's it how I would is. It I would is. say my backwards and make this better. <laughs> yeah, because you're a very straightforward guy. That's for sure. Yeah. I've known you long enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, fix this. You have all these letters. Yeah, so... 
All right. So what are you going to do? So, yeah, we're going to go through that examination and, and more than likely we're going to do some either some kind of reset thing. So dry needling is a reset just like a manipulation is. So I'm going to reset you and then we're going to give you some things to make yourself better. I'm kind of working to fire myself as quickly as possible is really what it comes down to. Horrible business model, but great for you guys. Well, it's great for your patients, but my guess is is that your patients will get better and then they'll tell all their patients, oh, I got better because I went here, so why don't you go here versus I, I went to this other place and I kept going and kept going and either I hurt more or I never got better. That's exactly the idea. So any closing thoughts or anything I didn't address about physical therapy that you think I missed? I think one of the things that people don't know or don't realize is that they can come directly to us. In the state of Wisconsin where I practice, practice, you know, we've had this thing called direct access since 1989, which means that you can go directly to a physical therapist uh, and not get a referral from either a primary care provider or anybody else and have it be covered by insurance. Most insurances, probably 90, 95% of insurances around the area uh, do cover physical therapy without the need for a referral, which is awesome because the faster you can get in to be seen, the more dollars it saves. Uh, and it is a exponential thing where if you get in, you know, really, really early, a couple of days, you know, you're going to save a lot more than if you wait even just uh, another uh, 10 or 12 days. So getting in early and, and having direct access to a PT is a is a big deal. And what is what is something that you know to a high degree of certainty, high degree of certainty to be true about physical therapy that other people in the healthcare field, not necessarily physical therapists, mis- may disagree with you about or may not understand that you really wish they would appreciate or know? Hmm, that's a good question. I think, I think a big thing that comes to mind is that we as physical therapists have a really large vested interest in, in getting to know the patient as a person and being able to make their care unique and individualize the treatments that they're getting. And the really good ones uh, are able to do it well, and they're able to build an alliance with that patient that is very powerful, very strong, very healing, and it can't be contrived. You can't just formulate this uh, alliance with patients. I I think we do a fairly good job at uh, building that rapport with patients and spending the time and making it individual. And that it's not just, I went to physical therapy as in, I got the flu shot because it kind of doesn't matter who applies the flu shot, it's the flu shot, right? Physical therapy is not the same way. Very unique, very different, and it matters who you see. As in all of healthcare, as in all things. Absolutely. So thank you very much for uh, taking the time. Do you have any um, social media contacts or websites you want to discuss or share? Sure. So uh, you can find my information on our website, H-I-M-W-I. Dot com. It's for Health in Motion, Wisconsin. And um, as far as uh, social media, you know, I am on Twitter as a PT specialist, WI, physical therapy specialist, plural, WI. And I don't believe I'm really on much else for, for social media. I do some Facebook stuff, but you're working too much for social media. That's uh, kind of <laughs> how it goes. Well, Ben, thank you very much for taking the time. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate being on and being able to uh, speak uh, and so positively for our profession. So. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a comment on the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page and consider subscribing to this podcast. Thanks.